You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest is A.M. Holmes. She's the author of The Unfolding. We chat. Writing a novel is messy. Her time writing for the TV series The L Word. Intimacy coordinators on film sets. Interacting with supernatural beings, and so much more. Hi. I'm A.M. Holmes, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have A.M. Holmes. She's the author of The Unfolding, a novel. A.M., how are you? I'm pretty good, Tony. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. You know, just, uh, yeah, you, you you deal with um you deal with life's up and downs i think that's and, also a little bit like an earthquake motion because there's also the side to side <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. Yes. yeah and you teach you teach at princeton you just got uh, home from your teaching gig. What, what, what do you teach a creative writing which seemed better probably for me than economics because i could i could really mess that up um <laughs> i tell them that i really want them to take risk which is antithetical to being a student at princeton because they They worked so hard to get there by not taking a lot of risk, by just getting things right. And I say, the good thing about creative writing is the worst thing that can happen, paper cut. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, because creative writing, we have to get to a space that's so, um, so, you know, we're always avoiding conflict in our lives and we're trying to just fit in. And then we have to put our characters in awful situations that, and it's, 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 it's almost like we have to work on it like a muscle to dive into that conflict. Absolutely. To dive into conflict and also to go into one's mind's eye in some way, you know, to leave sort of the familiar and the known. And even, you know, as we all know, it's very hard for all of us to get to work, but to just walk into a room and be expected to be creative is pretty demanding. Um, Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Do it. Stand storytelling <laughs> do you say a little stand-up a little storytelling is that what you so is that part of like uh that's kind of what you do as you're as you're working with your class i kind of do i'm i think i'm a very unconventional teacher i just i want to disarm the students i want them to like know that actually there is no failing if, if you make a messy experiment that's okay that's actually a good thing you know it's if people want to start writing short stories or writing novels and they want them to come out like finished and like nothing comes out finished. I mean, not to be, you know, you could go a lot of places with that, but nothing comes out finished. Yeah. What's in, it, it's, it, it, I hear this all the time. I have this idea for a novel and I just can't wait to write it. And I just, I tell people, I hate to burst your bubble, but your idea sucks. Like right <laughs> now I'm going to tell you it really sucks, but what's great about it, it's going to suck when you write it down, but then you get to try to figure out how it's not going to suck on paper. And that's the fun part of this game. Cause the, pretty much all ideas are bad craft it right. And it could be something. Absolutely. All ideas are bad and they've all been written before too. Right. So we, you know, it's like, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing new. It's all to me, it's all about human behavior and what compels somebody to do what they do. And yeah. that's what's interesting. Yeah. And that's what makes me, I mean, and this is why I just, I love novelists. I love being a novelist. It's because 
um it's uh I, I lost i lost my thought because i had feelings of love and that feels very uh, i'm <laughs> well, like wait, wait where, where's this joy coming so from rare just, we could just sit with that for a moment <laughs> yeah. because they're hard to come by but it's just um it's it, to create something out of a, a i just i i i work from like what's the, this is such a dumb idea i have to see if it works and then that's and then it tends to work <laughs> But I got to labor for months and months on it. But yeah, uh, absolutely. That's also something that people aren't really used to. They're like, wait, what? It's only 15 pages. I'm like, yes. And six months later, it'll be in good shape. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? I had a, I applied to McDowell for the residency. I got that application in last uh, on Saturday night. Oh and I was God. like, I was rewriting my like first 23 pages of the current novel I'm working on. And I'm and I, I was like, oh, my God, I just it, it needed more work. It needed tightening up. I had to cut a bunch of stuff out. And it's and I got it to a place where I'm like, oh, th I'm kind of happy with this. And then they're like, so I'm like, all right, great. Time to submit. And they're like, and can you provide a synopsis? And I'm all, oh, God, I'd rather write a novel. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I know that you work in these other worlds, too. But I always find the difference between writing like TV and writing fiction is that when you're writing TV, you have to you you have to take your really big idea and smush it down into this little thing, and then you sell this like it's like one of those towels that's compressed into like a wafer or a sponge, and you sell them this really flat little wafer or sponge, and then you have to figure out how to gracefully reinflate it to what the original idea that you had was. Um, and I always find that so weird, like that just it, to me that's antithetical to the whole process is that weird compression, you know that is like the most brilliant way I have ever heard that. <laughs> That's, that makes so much sense because yeah, it's uh, see, I don't know how to do it that well. Do you write for TV too? I do. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have a whole secret other life that I've had for 22 years. Oh, really? Health insurance. Health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, health insurance drives health so much. Yes, it does drive so much. And it's, it is not uniquely an American phenomena, but it is interesting. I also, for many years was involved with Penn and still am involved with poets and writers. And one of the things we used to talk about all the time was about writers and health insurance, because writers don't tend to save money if yeah. they have any, I mean, right. Number one. Yeah. And getting health insurance is a really, I mean, it sounds like now we sound like we're like, you know, doing morning AM radio, but getting health insurance <laughs> is really difficult. And then, you know, if you end up having a family, it's so crazy expensive. So yeah. Writers Guild health insurance. Yeah. So do Rocks. you, uh, so you have a different name that you write under for TV? <laughs> What's that? Yeah. David Simon. No, I'm kidding. No, no you write. No, you, I don't. Oh, okay. I, I, I worked like a million years ago. I worked on the L word and that was a lot of fun. And then more recently I did a, with David Kelly, the Stephen King show, Mr. Mercedes, which was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. It's fun to play with Stephen King's writing, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I do a lot of pilots, which don't get made, but that's okay. They make money. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes after you, like, you have this pilot going, do you think to yourself, I'm so glad it didn't get made? Yeah. <laughs> Although I, really, I, liked, I like spending time on set. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're, work, you're working on shows in New York. So are you like out in Long Island city or uh, like Jersey and stuff? Brooklyn, exactly. All um, over the place, you know, like, yeah, everywhere. So in, Jer in Long Island city, in Brooklyn, 
and then, you know, picking up locations wherever. And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, I like all that. I mean, it's also funny because as a novelist, the other larger piece of my life and brain, you're by yourself for years at a time. There's no craft services. I'm like, isn't that there should be craft services for novelists. There should be craft services and health insurance, health insurance, production assistance. Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah. And there should also be like a nurse who makes house calls and just checks on right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Health people. We need a lot of care. And, um, then, and then extras, uh, background actors, so you can see if someone to banter with. Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's bad when I look in the mirror. I'm like, you're fired. I'm like, I am. I'm like, I don't want to see you here again. I see you. Wait, I know you. <laughs> like, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, no, I always think too, like I have this weird theory that, and, and my kid makes fun of me. So I think once you've worked on in a film or TV setting and you've been entitled to craft services because they're shooting films all over New York City all the time, I think you're entitled to any craft services. So you could just randomly walk up and get a donut anywhere in New York City at any time. Have uh, you done that? Really funny. Because no one's going to stop you. Right. Have you done, have you done that? No. <laughs> you know, no, because I, I have the same thing, too, because I got my SAG card. So if like, you know, and I see like this whole setup and I'm like, see craft services. And I'm just like, I could just walk in there right now and go, oh, no, yeah, I'm just an extra. Um, you know, and then they're like, uh, dude, we're doing a one shot on Steve Buscemi right now. <laughs> we don't need any extras. Call, please. I'm waiting for Bob. I'm waiting for Bob. I'm here, Tom. I mean, you know. Yeah. Tom told me to wait over here. You mind if I just grab a snack? Yeah. You know? And you've permission. It it's about acting like you belong and then people won't bug you. Right. And by the way, guess what writing is, right? All of it is an impersonation of acting like you have ownership or authority or allowed to tell whatever the story is you're trying to tell. So it's 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 good practice for us, I think. I think that we now get out there more to the streets. And act like we own them. Yeah, yeah, and and just like you know, find I I used to you know when I was younger, I would always you know go to I would see bands all the time, and um, people would be like, "How do you get access to just walking up to the VIP area?" And I'm like, "I just walk in like I know." And there were times where I just remember this one time where a bouncer came up and said, "Hey, you're gonna have to leave." And I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I was like. And we had like great like box seats right above where you know the whole pit and everyone's going crazy. Yeah. And I go, I go, is it cool if my like me and my girlfriend just like sit here for a couple more minutes? And he looked at me, he's like, Yeah, it's cool. And we just sat there the rest of the show. It's I think you know, it's it's uh it's important to break the rules a little bit. It's important to to break the rules to get access. It's totally important to break the rules. And then I also will say it's also like how you play it, right? And I think the funny thing about writers is in a way we are a little bit improvisational in like stand up people. Cause you're like, Oh, well, if that doesn't work, I'm going to try it this way and try saying it like this, or I'm going to deliver it like that. So it, it, we can have a lot of fun out, out in the world if we ever go out in the world. But I will say well, the last couple of years, I've been very interior, very like, you know, and, in and, my and how has interior been wor worked for you? Not so well. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh-uh. 
Yeah, that's me either. It's it's not. I, it, it's it, people are like, oh man, this must be great for you. It's like a writing retreat, and I'm like, no, this sucks. It sucks beyond it's belief. Like the I'm, apocalypse. It's different. Yeah. Oh, it's just so nice to go for a walk and see all the stores boarded up and like the junkies trying to like, you know, fight me. I'm just like, well, uh. yeah, and I live, I live on the corner of Washington Square Park. And, mm-hmm. and we had like, I don't know if they, they uh, I don't know how it happened, but we have more uh, junkies now than we've ever had. And they're spicier than they've ever been. And yeah. so it's hard to literally t- to walk the dog, literally. Um, yeah. Yesterday, to the left, someone was vomiting, and to the right, a man was shirtless. He did have pants on, which is sometimes unusual, even in this neighborhood. And he was both washing his body, but he was also cleaning some wounds on his leg that looked pretty serious. And I was like, okay, that's just yeah. right at the moment. It's, it's, uh... it's upsetting. I mean, it, it, and by the way, it, it obviously it sucks for them. I mean, it's not just like it's upsetting to me. I mean, if that's if that is your world, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. And, and, and I think so much of that is just drugs too. And then just getting into the heavier drugs and all of a sudden it's just, you know, it's like, um, I'm from San Francisco and it's like fentanyl overdoses. They, they, they beat the COVID deaths in San Francisco. It's just like, it's, um, it's hard to see that much, uh, destruction when, you know, these people have, uh, I get, you know, I've hurt, I hurt inside. I hurt a lot. I choose not to do heroin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but boy I mean, you know what sometimes it sounds great. On, but yes i totally know what you mean yes <laughs> yes but it is i get i mean i get it you know what i mean i totally get it and i get i get that there is a lot of pain i mean there really is and that's heartbreaking yeah. um but it's also hard when that pain becomes something you might physically step in that is not of your body but of someone else's body yeah. or it is somebody you know with a weapon asking you for your life uh right that's where i, that's where I draw the line yes oh um, you and then I, you draw the line and you try to talk them out of it oh you have a weapon you know i would be of no use to you we could right. you know, we, we could write a novel together i bet you have a great story <laughs> i do and it's this is just too awful but i i started carrying what one of my friends used to call when they were in high school mugger money which is you know a few, because I, I often mostly don't, you know, it's like these days also you have credit cards. You're like, I'll, I'll give you my credit card, but that won't work. So I try to carry a few dollars so I could give not even muggers, but just people who need a couple bucks. But then I also realized, okay, so you're collecting from all of us to get your next rock and a crack rock. Right. I, asked, I actually asked what that costs. And the price I got was $18, but I'm not clear what you get for $18. And I didn't want to go into like the details. I was just like, okay. And what you want to do is you want to like, you don't know what they're going to use the money for. So what you do is you buy the crack rock and and go, you wanted the crack rock. I got you the crack rock. I don't want you to use this on anything else. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But first you're going to have some protein. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Look, here's a can of tuna, a can opener and a crack. And if you eat the tuna, you're going to have the crack rock. I mean, it's it's like, yes, exactly. It's sad. A friend of mine actually uh, saw a, a person outside with no shoes on and no socks and went into the drugstore in the corner and bought, you know, a pack of socks for the person and came out and said, I got you some socks. And the person was like, I don't want those. I have socks if I want them. I was yeah. like, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Um, I thought you looked cold. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it's it's sorry. 40 below and you don't have socks. <laughs> That's because I'm hot right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I will say that the pe- clearly the pandemic was not only hard on us writers, it was hard on a lot of people. 
And it really, and by the way, it's super hard on students and young people. We're just like, what? Because they, they have no context, no perspective. They've only been alive a little tiny bit. Um, and they're like, what the heck is this thing? I'm like, well. Yeah, they're they're the puppies of our society. They need to be outside, like, you know, horsing around and doing stupid stuff. It's totally. And they need like, to be getting in had, trouble. Yeah. Right. We're like, we had civil rights march. We had Vietnam. Then we had Watergate. And now we're here. And so we're old and we understand that this will pass. And they're right. like, well, you know, they're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And then it, yeah, it's they're like, we had Justin Bieber and we don't know what's coming next. <laughs> that that used to be the bane of our existence. And now it's oh, like, now it's like, was, I, what's that? The two brothers who were the, um, oh God, they had the house in LA. I remember at one point my kid was obsessed with them. They have a house together. Yeah, it was one of the, and it was like a TV show, like all the stupid things the brothers could do, and then huh. something went bad for one of them. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. One of those shows. <laughs> exactly. You're like, wait, yeah, what they what do they call unscripted TV reality? Yes, exactly. And I have my own version called "I Do Not Want to Be Your Neighbor." <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the minute you see a you production, know, it should be Mister Rogers for old people called "I Do Not Want to Be Your Neighbor." <laughs> You know, you know, I think I think we got something here. I think we I think we have a story of uh, authors living next door to a reality the reality TV series. Exactly. Can you imagine? I don't want to be your neighbor. It's almost like a Stephen King book. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when you're working on Stephen King's, have you met Stephen King? Yes, but not in the context of working there. But yes, I have met Stephen King. My yeah. favorite moment was sitting next to Stephen King and Joyce Carol Oates at a dinner. Yeah. And, you know, they're obviously both of them, you know, so prolific that it's like astounding. And they were talking about, well, what time do you get up? It's like, well, I get up at about 5.30 and then I meditate. And the other one's like, I meditate too. And I thought, oh my God, but like, how do you do it? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and then they're both like writing like that, you know? <laughs> I think that they both write simultaneously with both hands. So it's writing on the right and left sides of the brain simultaneously. Because I don't know how it's otherwise possible. To get that much output. Yes. I, it's, it kind of blows my mind, it, but uh, you know, I, I adore Stephen King. I would love to meet him. I don't, I, I have not ever read a novel that of his where I went, I went about 50 pages in and went, why am I reading this? I don't like his, I don't like his novels. I do love his journalism. I love his essays. I love his book on writing. writing. He's, yeah. He is a, he is a, uh, he is a beautiful force for the literary community, but I just- He really I, is. He really yeah. is a super good guy. And I think it's it's interesting because both Joyce Carol Oates and Stephen King in a way have been punished by the literary world for their productivity. You know, they were somehow seen as different than other writers. And, and uh, I remember quite a few years ago, Stephen King got an award from the National Book Award, you know, the National Book Association. And- it was a mark of his sort of being accepted into that, you know, literary academy. And it's a bummer that it took any time at all, because the fact is he's absolutely literary and a, really a force. And also it's, I mean, talk about getting people to read and buy books and be in that world and be in their imaginations. Even if they're scared to death, they are in their imaginations. And Joyce is the same. I mean, Joyce 
I don't know how she does it, but every book is so both different. And she has a really dark imagination. People always say to me, oh, your imagination is so dark. I'm like, no, 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 you talk to Joyce. Because she thinks of stuff that is so scary to me that I just couldn't even. Yeah. It's scary stuff. I'm like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> That's so cool. So so Stephen King was nice when you were talking when you were talking yes, about was. I always love hearing that. People yeah, it's here's the thing, like especially going back to TV and stuff, where it's just like if someone's working on a show and there's like a big time famous person on the show, the first thing I ask is, How's craft services? How's the food? That's the first thing you ask. And and then the other thing is, are were, are they cool to work with? Are they nice? Yeah. And and a lot there's some of my heroes that I, I hear from uh below the line they're like oh yeah not cool at all and i'm like oh i don't want to hear that they, they they're so and then some of them are surprising whether it's just like you know that person's actually really cool and you're going oh my my, my biases have been uh has been thwarted mm-hmm. i think it's really important when working on collaborative projects like tv shows or i also weirdly the last couple of years i've been doing a couple of operas is to learn all the things you can learn about all the other jobs that people are doing on that project and to actually both get out of the way of other people and make sure that you bring your best to the table because no one needs to deal with, you know, attitude or crankiness or the idea of something being impossible. Like leave that to the French. They're always like, that's impossible. <laughs> um, but not, not in a production setting. So, yeah. And, and at the same time, it's just so beautiful because, you know, people in wardrobe are actually thinking about the story They're From their point of view, they are painting the story of how we're going to dress this person. And they have just as much passion as writers do. And it's, it's just beautiful to be around that. Yes, totally. I know the whole thing. And I actually have to say, you know, a lot of people like complain about, oh, the team stirs or whatever. I like those guys so much. And, you know, a lot of times they bring their own food. So they'll like cook hamburgers or different things. They'll literally bring like a barbecue grill at the back of their truck and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I just found them so interesting. And I would say like in many ways, you know, we might have different political points of view or whatever, but I thought these are really hardworking people and they show up and they do all the hard stuff. And I'm going to sit here and eat burgers with them and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Do some heroin. You wrote an opera? Wait, you've been writing operas? How do how do how do you how do you write an opera? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the first thing you do is you realize I don't know how to write an opera. Oh, and- so 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 how do you so you don't have any opera experience? How do you get yourself into a position where all of a sudden you're writing an opera? It's you know what's so funny? I would say it's literally in some ways the same as how do you get a job writing TV or film? Because mm-hmm. that's also like a weird catch 22. And they're like, well, you can't write TV or film unless you've written TV or film. So something there has every now and then there's a portal or a crack in the wall, you know, and you just filter yourself through that crack. Right. That's how like with the L word, I knew some people that sort of the show was theoretically kind of about. And I knew a few people who were associated with it. And I was like, can I come and work on your TV show? And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, I really want to like work on a TV show. And then my friends in New York goes, what makes you think you can write a TV show? And I thought, ha ha ha, what makes you people think I can have a job where I sit up during the day? <laughs> because I've been writing by myself, lying down or you know, curled in a ball or whatever for however many years. I hadn't had a job 
in you know a, an office with other people in, in like 20 years but you know what i loved it and all that coffee and cookies they bring you that's crazy <laughs> oh the coffee's rad <laughs> what kind of coffee do you want i'm like well you know yeah at 10 o'clock i want this at 12 o'clock i want that and you know right. but right. the whole thing i had the best time and i thought this is so fun because you just get to make stuff up and then they go and film it which is so fun a novel you're like eh, 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 eh. it's just excruciating it's like all those years by yourself and there you're like you know i think he walks into a bar he trips over something uh and then he meets somebody and they have sex and you're like okay great that down uh whatever it is you know and the l word was really funny because i'm like we need more men on the show Uh (laughs) oh that's a new one Then now it's they have like you know the sex scenes from what I understand is now they have uh coordinators for where you can put your well, hands. That, right? I've heard about that. I haven't yeah. been part of that. Um, yes, the hand coordinators. It's a little bit like puppetry. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think my my personal view on it is I don't like that because actors are acting and they and they could they could just say hey no not cool hands off on that part okay cool let's come back. And but but the, but they need to be in the moment. I don't think they need to know where the uh, what touches what, when and how, you know, I, I on one hand, I agree with you. On the other hand, having heard of so many people who, who had uh, experiences they did not desire to have in front of audiences and whatever. I get it. But yeah. I have actually a student who's writing their thesis on uh, the intimacy coordinator. That's what it's called. Exactly. Yes. Wow. And by the way, how do you get that job? Is that like Dr. Ruth when she retires? Oh, what are you doing now, Dr. Ruth? Well, I'm an intimacy coordinator on yeah, yeah. law and order. <laughs> Keep that penis flaccid. Oh, Keep that penis flaccid. That's all I would say all the time. And they'd be like, Tony, there is no full frontal nudity here. I'm like, I know. I just love saying that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how they, that's interesting. if you just yell at the actor, things like that, it'll happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then when you're next time you're walking around by a naked guy in Washington uh, the Park, you can go keep that penis flaccid. <laughs> I wish I wish that were funny in my neighborhood. It's, um, yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot to be seen out there in that park. Yeah. Oh, well, have you have your kids grown up in Manhattan? Uh, one kid, and I would say partially grew up in Manhattan yes and then yeah. we finished the growing off 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 site we did you know exactly we, yeah yeah sent the it's, kid in to be polished elsewhere yeah yes. it's it's got to there's got to be something so cool about I mean just the experience of growing up though in in New York City it's funny because I used to think I was like okay so will I raise a kid in Los Angeles or in New York and I used to think New York was a terrible place for a kid I also used to think it was a terrible place for a dog but you know what it turns out it's not true the upside is if you're a kid in New York, you can go all over the place and your babysitter can go all over the place with you. You don't have to be able to drive. And there's tons of just parks and people and classes and things to do. And it turns out dogs like it too, once they realize, okay, it's a little grass <laughs> grass impaired, but there's like chicken under every, like there's there's big pieces of chicken all over the place and, and pizza on the streets of New York. So there's all kinds of weird dog snacks. And I'm always having to like steal like, Again, wrestle chicken bones out of my dog's mouth. I'm like, where did you find that chicken? And they're always like, under that tree. I don't know. There's like a whole chicken under the tree. It's fully cooked. Um, I want to know how that gets there. I want to know if they're like people depositing chickens under the trees or what? Is it like right. the Easter Bunny sort of a situation? 
and that's the beauty of being a writer because we're always looking for the full story what is the story of that how does that get there you see those those videos of the rats dragging the pizza (laughs) like i'm like i live with those rats they're squirrels by day and rats by night it's a whole like (laughs) switch thing that happens totally serious never see a rat during the day i never see a squirrel at night oh interesting huh yeah, I, was, I I haven't spent too much time in New York, but I did spend a little bit of time there right before COVID, and just uh the rats, the rats in the subways, just like watching the rats, just going, <clears throat> and it's just like it's normal, and yeah, and so I'm just like sitting there going, I know it's normal, it's just a rat, <laughs> and and I and, and part of me is just you know I don't, I'm like the rat's not going to come in my area because he knows the the where where I'm at, it's not his place, it's going to stay on the tracks, and I don't, I, but yeah, I mean it. I don't know. Have you have have you ever been on a subway and a rat? Like, I won't talk of... about it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but I will say we also have in addition that we have these like palmetto bugs, which are like these supersized cockroaches that are actually difficult to kill. You have to, I don't know, you have to get like a, a man's wingtip and like a size twelve and whack them. But they're like they're so big and they're like no joke. They're like four inches long and like an inch wide, and I don't know where they come from. And they're they're like just. I mean, people scream. Wow. Yeah. And, and so are it's these like, on the subways or do they also like, get? No, it's in your home. And it's like Kafka. It's like Kafka comes into your home and you're like, Franz, get out of here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My I think God. they come through the drains. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Do you know, uh, have you been to Prague? Have you ever visited Kafka's grave? I have not grave? been to Prague. Yeah. But I like to go to Prague, actually. No, they just I, I I was in Prague for I think a week and a half in the nineties, and I never went to Kafka's grave, and it's something that haunts me to this day. I should have went and visited Kafka. Well, the good news uh-huh. is, he's waiting for you. <laughs> the good news is he's not going anywhere. <laughs> not like uh, weren't they? Um, was it? Were they going to try to move Jim Morrison? I think out of Père Lachaise in Paris because it was just. It's just been a bane to the uh, existence of all the all the other you know, people. Yeah. You know what's funny about that cemetery? So I, I went to Père Lachaise and I was actually weirdly looking for Susan Sontag, who I didn't find. But uh-huh. somehow I feel like I, I don't remember what was the, the situation, but I had a conversation with them. And you don't basically you don't buy your grave in perpetuity the way you do in America. So they're like leased. Which means that right. like a grave like can come up if it's not yeah if it's not being maintained if it's not being paid for and that to me seems so weird I'm like well what do you do with the the person in it and all that and it's the space is tight there I mean it is like New York City in that sense right yeah um, you don't get a you don't get a lot of bang for your buck in terms of like <laughs> whatever um, but I found that really intense I was like wait these are just like rentals like death co ops or whatever condos. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You just you're you're just reminding me. I think my grandma is who's buried in um South San Francisco. I think her lease comes up in about twenty years. And then, like, can you negotiate? I don't know. I feel like grandma's comfortable. She speaks well of the lawn mowing services, and you know, I'm just thinking that she's not happy. People are not picking up the dog poop. Yeah. She's, she's, a, she's a little upset about a few things, but, but we like people to be upset about things because then it keeps them engaged, you know? Right. Right. Yes. Probably a satisfied customer is not really a good one to negotiate. Right. He's <laughs> irritated. She spells crazy things out on the Ouija board. 
<laughs> you know? Oh my God. Have, do you use Ouija boards? Not lately. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't need them anymore. I can just do it myself. Yeah. Um, really? Oh, really? Do you, have, are you yeah. really like really intuitive? I am very, yes, absolutely. Um, uh -huh. And we have a joke in my family about what we call transmigration of souls. So I'll always pick up things and I'll be like, like this, I'll be like, hello, Aunt Lena. No, <laughs> she's not here. No, and I'll pick up like a coffee cup. And then my mother, who's 96, will have whole conversations with other relatives through various objects. It's pretty funny. And I'll, and I used to like do things like I would hand her like a hairbrush and I'm like, your mother's calling. <laughs> And she was like, hello, mother. You know. <laughs> but I, I mean, but, my hair is naughty. <laughs> but, but that sounds like you're joking around. Like, do, do you really have like. I am really... very, I am very, um, I am very intuitive, aware. And um, I mean, both prescient and sort of hyper perceptive in ways that I it, are not always comfortable. Yeah. Like, do you feel the presence of uh, spirits, spirits or entities around you sometimes, or can see them? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, not always. Um, yeah. yeah, but sometimes. I a few years ago was finishing a book of short stories, and I was staying in a house that someone had loaned me in Oxford, England, and there was definitely someone else there. Um, and I was like, okay, like I know you're there. You know I'm here. Uh, we're cool. But I was really like, it was truly truly palpable huh. um, and, and that's times you know yeah that was a real that was for sure and then actually yeah at, at yaddo artist colonies yaddo has a uh definitely has a group of um let's just call them either invisible inhabitants or for, former guests who return yeah I'm going to apply for a yaddo as well I'm, 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 I'm throwing my darts out to everybody Good. you know absolutely but but it, does that give you does that give you comfort or does that scare you when those situations happen? It depends on the situation. <laughs> it yeah. depends on the it depends on the yeah, I would say. How about you? I mean, for me, it depends on the vibe of whoever or whatever presence is there. Yeah. I I feel like I'm just learning this stuff because I I grew up in a very like strict religion with very strict beliefs where that was just it's it's this and this and this and nothing else. What and religion? Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, yeah. And and um, so as I've, you know, as I continue, you know, it's it's such a brainwashing thing. It's taken, you know, like, what is it, 30 years to just yeah. and I'm still trying to just get through, you know, I know it's in my DNA and I go, oh, wait a second. That's a Jehovah's Witness thought that was there from when I was a kid. But I'm really open to um, um, the the idea that 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 we are surrounded by spirits and I'm not sure what the spirits are and it's okay not to be sure. I right. haven't had an experience myself personally, but I don't, I, I'm not a skeptic on it in any way at all. I don't deny it at all because who am I to know? And, and I find it so intriguing to talk to people who have, um, you know, and maybe, maybe it's because I've been so closed off to it that I just have, I'm not a, I'm not aware and maybe it's just a maybe it's a um, maybe the solution is to be more aware and more open, and then you can see it around you. But that definitely is part of it, being open to it. Uh, uh, like so many years ago, I actually went to a seance that Amy Tan organized in San Francisco, um, and I I feel like the people there had had experience of those things beforehand, and were open to it and felt, you know, various presences, and that it was, for lack of a better word, a successful. Thing. And I remember both being 
really kind of enthralled and also kind of freaked out. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Um, but it was cool. It yeah. was cool. Yeah. There, and, there, and I just read a book. Um, I got one of his other books right here. Like this guy wrote a book about uh, called like the authors and the paranormal or something. Who is this guy? Oh, really? Jeffrey, Jeffrey Cribble. Um, and I'm reading his one of his other oh, books wow. right now. But, That's but, he, very cool. but he wrote a book about um, the, like the paranormal of um, of authors. And it made uh, from the past. And it made so much sense because as writers, we are kind of creating magic. Are we really creating magic out of nothing or are these characters there and we're just bringing them in? Absolutely. I think, I mean, again, everyone has their own thoughts about it, but I think, I think everything is there and we are giving them names and shape and definition and committing them to the page. But I don't think that we are creating things that weren't already there before. I mean, I think that's, that's both the beauty of writing. And for some people, it's also what's scary about it is, is, is finding language for what we may know on some, whether DNA level or just other psychological level, but we haven't yet named and we haven't yet felt comfortable talking about. I mean, that to me is what the job of the writer is. Yeah. And it's, and I just, I kind of, I've kind of used the word magic more over the last few years when it comes to writing because we are it's not yet you know there's a the, you could be grandiose about it and say i'm creating something out of nothing but in the end we might just be channeling and sometimes i feel like i am channeling and and i just if i stay out of the way it's better like i gotta just you do a certain point and then and then i learn get out of the way dude because every time you get in the way it's not working i definitely try to give my characters a lot of space, most of the space. I don't, I don't insert myself. Years ago, um, Grace Paley was one of my teachers and she used to talk about writing what is true for the characters and which is like, it's not about you. And so I always think like, who is this person? What were they doing before they got here? And what brings them to this story on this day at this time? And that for me, really writing fiction that's not from my own life, that's not about me, that is like time travel. It's like amazing. And it is magical in a sense because I am landing ideas and people and connections that I wouldn't have otherwise. So that part is, that's the best part of it. And the part that feels the most fantastic. Um, and so it is sort of magical in that sense, but I definitely feel like we're just drawing on on what's already, you know, floating for lack of a better word. Yeah, I, I think it's a great word. Yeah, I'm looking for something that floats. I'm an author. Hello, I'm open to it. Exactly. <laughs> totally. I just saw a couple adverbs go by. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> Wait, I like the idea, you know, they weren't attached to anything. They were just looking for work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about sparingly? Sparingly coming. coming by. That's the stand-up part. You know? <laughs> An adverb walks into a bar. Have you seen L.Y. lately? No, <laughs> Have you done stand-up before? No, but you know what's so funny? I mean, sort of, but no. I um, When I was finishing, I don't remember what book it was. I want to say it was May We Be Forgiven. And it was, you know, a kind of serious long book. And I remember thinking, like, you have to get out of the house. You have to go do something that you don't know how to do and just be with other people. So I went to UCB and I took the stand-up class. Uh -huh. and. There are so many things I learned about stand-up. Number one, it's mostly men. 
and it was mostly young men. So I qualified for diversity programs, both by being a woman and being like over 40. Uh-huh. And um, and then everyone goes around. And the, the first thing that the guy said was, okay, I want everyone to go around and say a thing that's true. And um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So one young man goes, I don't like it when I'm in bed reading and my brother turns out the light. I was like, okay. And then they all go around. And so he was clearly very young, you know, um, probably had to get permission from his parents to be there. And then when they get to me, I go, I don't like it when I'm in an airport in a wheelchair and people ignore me. And the teacher goes, no, 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 it has to be something real. And I go, right. I go, I don't like it when I'm in an airport in a wheelchair and people ignore me. Um, Cause I'd had a very bad back injury a few years ago and I had to go through airports in, in a wheelchair. Wow. Um, and it was just the idea that like, no, that couldn't be true. I was like, no, that is true. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then they would say to me, like, it was just funny. It was, it was, it was difficult, the stand-up class, but I, but I do, I do have some almost like a, um, almost like a brain fart problem where I will lapse into like weird stand-up. And if I'm reading on the book tour after that book, uh, and I'd be like, you know, reading in like other countries and so on. If I messed up, if I flubbed a line or something, I would just lapse into like weird stand-up and people would just look at me like, uh-oh, has she just lost her mind? I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's the class. <laughs> <laughs> it's I For my students, I always encourage them to take improv acting classes oh. and not, and not, I'm like, don't do it at UCB. Don't do it with a bunch of people who are trying to get somewhere. Do it. Yeah. There's an old, there's kind of an old person's one over here in Los Feliz. Oh, really? that one. And I tried it. It's, it's uh, impro. So that has less of the uh, eagerness to be a part of the company. Totally. It's just like, I don't want to be around eager people. I just want to go here and play these silly exercises. Totally. And I just did clown school, which did blew my mind. Clown, talking about clown school last night. Totally love clown school. Have you done what, it? What did you love about it? I haven't done it. No. Oh, it's so get the right clown school. Yeah. This guy, this uh, David, and I forget his last name. Sorry, David. Um, it's called the Clown School, and it's in Eagle Rock in Los Angeles. He studied with that French dude that teaches. That's clown. what I was just gonna say about the old French guy. Yes. Yeah. So he's one of his like disciples, totally. and it rules. And really? the and clown, and it's it's seven weeks of utter vulnerability. It's like beyond. It it changed my life, and. Most better than of it, ketamine, because that's where I am right now. Better like, than what? Your clown school. Oh wait, are you on ketamine? I want not ketamine. yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're gonna do that? I might. <laughs> I've heard of it. Um, I, I'll, I know. I'll... for the misery. <laughs> yeah, no clown school. I I just like being somewhere where I have no skin in the game. I don't care what happens when I take this class because this class. You know, I just go in there going, it's not going to do anything for me, and then it does everything for me because I don't. I I'm like, whoa. But it was about spontaneity, but it was more about vulnerability. And yes. it was more it was more about just be standing in. We had to do this exercise. It was four hours and it was like a four hour workshops. And it felt like it was like hard yoga. And then we had to come up with these marches on the spot. And we had a teamwork. And then all of a sudden we had to stand in front of 20 people and go, I feel. And we had to say exactly what we felt. And we could not disregard the truth. And even if we didn't like someone in the room or we felt like we were being judged, we had to say that. And we had, and, and as the audience, you couldn't take your eyes off of the person saying it. And a lot of it was just being seen right. vulnerability yeah. and being seen. And that's what we all want as humans. Yes. That is the, that is the goal, but it's really hard. It's and it's, yeah, there, there was a couple of people that dropped the class 
one woman, she was like just visibly shaking as she and then she's just like, I'm out. You guys are and then just but it's so cool. It was like yeah. it was like next level. That felt like magic. Yes, totally. All right, I gotta do that. I kind of want to do it in France. <laughs> yeah, the French guy's funky. Um, I, I would I, you're in New York. I would just see in New York who who has worked with him or under him. There's probably a very I'm good sure there's a bunch, exactly. Yeah. The rife with clowns. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, people are like stream everywhere you go. <laughs> no, I tell people on that. They're like, well, you you get you getting a red nose, you gonna start doing birthday parties. And I'm like, no, it's yeah. not about that, you guys. And then I just gave up and said, Yeah, it's about that. I, look, I'm a writer, I gotta do some birthday parties and bar mitzvahs. Totally. How do you when you have a story like the unfolding? How, how do you get into the story? How do you break in? It's a good question. Smash cut. <laughs> yes. Smash cut. And then uh, I feel like it's really always all about character. And it's funny, the unfolding, one of my editors said like, there's a lot of dialogue in this book. And I was like, is there? I hadn't noticed, but I really do. As you were saying, like get out of the way of the, the characters. And I'm just like, I'm just here to like sort of pay attention and make sure that I'm keeping you guys on task in some way. And what is the task? I don't know. It's going to reveal itself, but it's like, you know, I want to know why they're here, what they hope to get out of it, what our mission is, you know, what our mission is like, what are we trying to do here? What are we talking about? But I really, I ask the characters lots of questions and I'm like, where were you last year? And they're like, well, you know, um, yeah. And what changed? What like what put you in this situation? And how do you know this other guy? Um, and who here don't you like? You know, I mean, I, that's also it's like, and it's funny because you don't use all that necessarily. But again, having the honesty from the characters and knowing how they feel about each other, knowing why they're there, uh, it's all the better in terms of creating tension because you're not going to outrightly say it, but it's there. It's yeah. happening. Yeah. 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 Yeah, get there. Like, you know, I'm like, do you know that your wife is coming in today too? And they're like, oh no, really? I thought it was just me in the book. And I'm like, no, your wife is in the book too. And they're like, oh God, what? You tell me what she says about me. And I'm like, I'm not allowed to tell you what she says. Wow. You know, it's great because we because it's it, and I feel like I'm doing this now with the the, the book I'm on. Yeah. Is that I've put myself inside the world and I'm around these characters. Totally. Um, and it's and it's kind of weird. And it's and it's almost. I'll be at the cafe because I handwrite all first drafts. Love handwriting. I it's a mind it's, mind, mind to paper connection is so much better. I it's the only way I can do it. It's not the it's yeah. not the quickest way, but it's and I'm, sit, and I'm sitting there doing it, and then I'll and then like uh, people at the cafe will notice that I'll be like doing gestures. <laughs> I'm writing right. dialogue and doing gestures right. and, and it's just like it, it's if someone filmed me it would probably be a TikTok video of look at the schizophrenic over there <laughs> right the man with the spasms um, yeah it is so you know the funny thing is it is uh, I mean it's it's on the one hand it's a wonderful thing to be able to do and yet it's so intense and so isolated that it's wacky you know it's That's great. why it's one of the reasons why I got to talk to other writers once a week. Totally. So I don't know. I'm losing. I'm not losing my mind. I know. And you know, one of the things I was going to say to you that I was thinking about a lot lately, 
So with the unfolding, people keep saying to me, am I supposed to like these guys? Because it's this oh. you know, wealthy, older, white Republican men. I'm like, well, that's a very modern idea in literature. You don't read Crime and Punishment and go, love this guy, right? You don't, <laughs> Lolita. Like, right, totally. I know, you know, like, Humbert, Humbert, wow, what a, what a dude, you know, really. Yeah. So I think that is interesting because somehow it makes people uncomfortable if they don't know how they're supposed to feel about a character. And I think that's okay. You don't have to feel comfortable. But again, super modern, like we're supposed to just read books and see our own reflection and think, oh, aren't I cool? Or aren't I this? Or aren't I whatever? And I'm like, no, you need to like work your way through something. This is a journey. It's a travel. And and if you don't like the people, that's okay. doesn't mean they're not potentially interesting or relevant to your life or not. But it, I've, I've, I've been struck by that a lot lately. Um, well, I believe it opens up empathy because we all have the human condition. I mean, in well, the end, that, that's it. Yes. And the idea also that people who are in theory bad aren't all bad and people who are good are definitely not all good. Right. And that's also we, we there's some weird thing. And I don't know if it's just the moment we're in, like sort of culturally or whatever, but we really want things to be clear. Everything is very divided. There's the Democrats and the Republicans. There's the good people and the bad people, The you know, whatever. And it's like. No, it's there's a lot of of uncomfortable writhing middle area that's actually known as America. And yeah. welcome to it, you know, where nothing is that clear. And it's kind of cool. You know, yeah. it's it's the it's supposed to be like that. Well, that's the human heart too, right? The human yeah. heart is not, you know, this or that. Right. That's when well, it beats. It goes and it goes two different movements, right? Yeah. Blood in, blood out. We hope. We hope. <laughs> it goes, blah, 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 and then you're like, oh no. Yeah. Atrial fibrillation can be really bad. What is it? The, the AFib, you know, can be really bad. And then you have to take the Eloquist or whatever it is, or the, you know, there's all those commercials. Like, oh, oh right. Oh, I know. It was yeah, really yeah, getting yeah. me down. Then I took Eloquist. Right. And I, I only bruise really badly if I fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They never say. And then I decided to start running and eating better. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. No, I went on a big diet and I, uh, yeah, no, it never, that never comes up. Um, I met vegetables first yeah. time. Where's the money in that? Totally. Hey, um, thank I you for coming. What's that? I quit my job at Krispy Kreme. Yes, <laughs> oh my God. Right. I love Krispy Kreme and it's, it, I won't even eat one because it's just, it's, it's worse than heroin. I'm sure. No, it is. I, it's, I, that I can't is, have that another is, one. That is crack. That is food crack and you cannot start. Yeah, and even if it's at craft services, I get the nuts. I I can't That's do how it. I get you. That's how it starts. Am, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Tony, so much for having me. It's just a treat to see you and talk to you. Coastal trees Where the dead come rising from the sea With a teddy bear clamp between her knees She says, where can my lover man be? Well, I'm down in bed with the Eskimos with the polar bears and the Arctic snow 
Well, the party of penguins I who do not know how I can get back to thee. Well, I'm gonna ask you, babe. Once I was your heart's desire Now I am the ape hunkered by the fire With my knuckles dragging through the mire You float by so majestically You're my north, my south, my east, my west Well, you are the girl that I love best Well, an army of tanks bursting from your chest I wave my little white flag at thee Well, can you see it, babe? Yeah, hey, ho Oh, baby, don't you go Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, The Unfolding. Next week on the show, we have Hannah Sward. She'll be discussing her debut memoir, Strip. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.
turned around and I saw a clown Had a frown, stood on a mound Started barking like a hound When I came to it I found He showed me something that was brown So we became great friends And late in life he got sick Some soup, but he got worse. It asked for its purse. It got it, but it was empty, so it cried a plenty. I wondered what to do. I didn't know what to think, so I got a drink. And then I showed it something that was round. Then it died, smiled, fell on the ground. those days with the clown, I get teary-eyed and, and really snide. I think that deep down, I hated that clown, but not as much as Mr. Farr. I'm gonna go smoke a cigar. Lips. I think I clip you across the nose, clown. <laughs> With a cigar, I'll get you real far. <laughs> like Mr. Far. Get it? <laughs> Mr. Far? Clown. Clown. <coughs> See what a cigar will do? <laughs> You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.